Hi guys, welcome back to another podcast today. It's, I haven't got a guest as much, but someone, a mate of mine, it's just a discussion about rugby with England, the Lions, and just a little bit in general. So Callum, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good to see good. you. Yes, very, little very little face. Yes, for the viewers who are listening, the beard game isn't strong right now, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, let's jump straight into it. You, how long have you played rugby then? I have been playing rugby probably, well, since I was under 13, so eight years now. Um, I took a three-year break out um, to focus on a bit of cricket, and then I had my first season back playing rugby last season. So back in the swing of things and, yeah, loving it. And wh- where's that you playing? I play at Maidenhead. We're a national free uh, side. Um, good little setup. Um, four, three adult teams, a uh, bunch of kids playing, great 4G facility. Um, so yeah, good, good little ground. Good, probably the, not being biased, probably the best sort of ground in the area. So lucky to be there. And is that the highest you've played, or have you played representative rugby? I played a bit of rep rugby. Um, under 16s, I played for Berkshire, um, and on that went on to play Southwest England trial games. Um, and then I didn't make it any further, sadly. Um, so that's when I dropped out and focused on a bit of cricket. And then now I'm just playing a bit of enjoyment, just yeah, down at, down at Maidenhead. And what position are you playing these days? I'm playing inside centre at the minute. Um, bit of a fun fact, I've played 1 to 15. Um, when I started as an under 13, I, I, was, I was a bit of a porky under 13. Um, so I was shoved in at the front row. Uh, stretched out a bit, moved to second row, stretched out a bit more, back row. And then I think I found my position probably under 13. 15s um, when I was when I captained our uh, mainland team to the county final uh, and I played a whole season at 12 um, and ever since then I've, yeah it's pretty much my position but I can I can cover pretty much anywhere in the back line so versatile back as they say these days you've taken the words out of my mouth I was going to say the exact same I can play wherever you want me to play but yeah 12 is my uh, my love let's jump straight into it then England Wales yesterday what did you think yeah, um, I mean the main topic, the, the main talk, talking point is obviously going to be the referee. But to take the referee out of it, I think England were pretty poor. Um, Fourteen penalties is not going to win you any games, especially when you've got Bigger who nudges them over for fun, and Sheedy when he came on did three really good penalties um, under pressure. But if, if you can see, if you concede fourteen penalties, you're never going to win a test match, and that's just facts and they only have themselves to blame really. Well I've got a little stat here England have conceded 41 penalties in their last three games and I think it's shown. I, I saw that yeah I saw that as well but like Maro Toji is probably our best player and he gave away five out of 14. Now Maro he's a bit like Alan Wynne Jones a bit like how Richie McCoy used to be. He plays the game on the edge. He plays it right up to the to the line and Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it just didn't work yesterday. He went that step too far and, yeah, didn't work out yesterday. I didn't think the score, like 40-24, looks a bit of a thrashing. I don't think that reflected the actual game. No, no not at all. And, and, I mean, you take – we're obviously going to have to talk about those two tries. You take those out, it's a much closer game. And, yes, if you take those two tries out, Wales still win. But, I mean, that is a complete load of bollocks. Like – if you score a try, your mindset changes completely. Like if that's not a try, it could be three points instead. And it's just little things like that. Like 
England, I thought, dealt with the decisions well. They came back into the second half well um, and put up a bit of a fight. But yeah, you're giving away penalties in dangerous areas. And we've got Callum Sheedy, who's been pretty pretty much bang on all season. He's not going to miss them. So they've only got themselves to blame. Um, I don't know if you saw, but did you see Owen Farrell's post-match interview? Yeah, I thought he did quite well to remain calm. Like credit to him because I would be absolutely raging, and I thought his post-match interview was pretty honest. But he protected his players, had the old media handbook out, as uh, Payne likes to say. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and no, I thought he did really well. But again, just penalties, penalties, penalties. You're not going to win games like that. And then I saw the interviewer Sophie, someone she got a lot of abuse, but Sonia, she's probably yeah, been told to ask those questions. Yeah, I mean it's obviously her job. Um, but she's obviously done it for years. You know, you know that a professional athlete's not gonna. What's the word? They're not gonna criticize the officials because they'll get fined, they'll get in trouble. So they're, they're gonna protect themselves and their teammates. So she knew what was coming. But the fact that people have been, yeah, abusing her online is pretty poor to be honest. Well, let's talk about that first decision then. What do you think of it? It's there's two sides to it. He, what is it? What's the referee's name? Gar says whatever his name is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, whatever his name is. He, um, he's obviously said to Faz, go and talk to your players. Now, when you talk to your players, obviously time goes off. If you're talking to your whole team, the wingers have got to come off their wings to come and listen because the team warning you've got to come in and listen. And I think, I, I don't know what the exact time was, but I reckon it was about three seconds. Mm. And time on, bang, and... Yeah, it's just so frustrating because technically the referee's done nothing wrong. He said to Faz, go and talk to your players. But the timing of it, I don't know, it's just a bit, it's a bit, yeah, it doesn't sit well. It doesn't sit well. No, and it, I just don't, he didn't even say time back on, did he? Or did he? No, he did. He, big, bigger said to him, Bigger had the ball next to the ref and he goes, oh, can you tell me when time's on? And as soon as he said that, he blew his whistle. He was like, yeah, time on, let's go. So I don't know if it was a little bit influenced by Bigger. Um, but again, it's you'd like to think that the referee would give England time to set. I mean, there were water water boys on the pitch. Technically, should they still be on? Don't know. But, I mean, yeah, you can talk about it all day. It's a, it's a try at the end of the day. But, it's, yeah, it's just a bit frustrating. Mm, yeah, and... I thought Farrell, again, handled it quite well, especially with the old oh, ref mics turned up. He was, I'm, in my opinion, bang out of order. He was just rude. And, like, I know in rugby, it's not like football, we actually respect the officials. But I think quite a lot of people would have lost their head there. So, again, yeah, credit to Faz. But I just thought the referee was so arrogant in that point. He just didn't even want to listen to him. Hmm. Not that, Not that it's... Farrell's going to say anything that's going to make him change his mind, but he didn't even give him the chance to say something, like give his opinion about it. But yeah, it's just piss poor, really. And then we've got to move on to the next one. Oh, is it a knock on? Is it not? Because technically it's gone backwards. 100% a knock on. Like, there's no questions about it. Even you look at Reece Samet, he knows he's knocked it on. He was so surprised that that was given as a try. Like, so surprised. His hand, he's, the ball, he's never in control of the ball. His hand's gone forward. Yes, it's come back off his leg. But if his leg's not there, if his leg's in another position and that ball goes away off his hand, it's a knock-on. Mm. 
um, movement of his hands going forward, loss of control. Again, it's just so frustrating because England were never really out of that game. Um, they've all, they always competed. Yeah, Farrell missed a few kicks, but we were never... They were the better side, but we never sort of outplayed. We always kept up with them. Yes, we were always behind, but we always sort of kept up with them. And it's just too... It's a shame that a really good game of rugby was sort of ruined by two dodgy referee decisions. But, it's, yeah, it's going to be talked about for a while, but there's nothing... There's certainly nothing I can do. They're not going to listen to me, are they? But, it's, yeah, it's just a bit frustrating. And I think we just got to accept that that's England's Six Nations over now. Well, that's what I was going to say next. With the rest of Six Nations, England... They've got a week's break for some reason. I don't know why again. But England have got France and Ireland left and Wales have France and Italy left. So what do you think is going to come out of that? I think the French are probably favourites. Um, the, the brand of rugby they're playing at the minute is wicked. Like, I love watching the French play. It's like full-on jouet. Like, they chuck the ball around and they have fun with it and they get rewards from it. Um, and uh, Edwards, the defence coach, he's... He was, he was at Walsh, he's been at Wales. He's Wherever he goes, he's just got this knack of sorting teams out. And he's obviously gone over to France and he sorted their defence out and they look like a real threat, not just in the Six Nations, but against teams like South Africa, New Zealand. I think the World Cup, they'll certainly compete up there. And don't be surprised if you sort of see them in the semis or finals. Um, again, Ireland. You don't know with Ireland at the moment, do you? <laughs> And, and England-Ireland is always, is always a big game, like regardless of form, um, like no fans or whatever, it's always going to be a big physical game. Um, the Irish haven't been brilliant, I don't think, although watching the game on Saturday, I know it was Italy, no disrespect to them, but it looked like Sexton was sort of back to his best. Um, I mean, he must be getting on a bit now, but is he another name? Like, we'll come on to but another name for the, for the Lions. I'm not sure. Is he too old? I don't know, but... He certainly looked back pretty good on Saturday. Um, but it's just like, I love watching the Italians play. I mean, half of them aren't Italian, let's start, let's face it. Oh, no. Monte Ioani's never had bolognese in his life. But they, they, I feel sorry for them because they compete for the first 40, 50 minutes and then they just, they don't have the depth. It's, they don't have the depth. They're probably not as fit as some of the stronger teams. And yeah, but... Think if we if we can beat one of see this has been a bit negative. But if we can beat one of France or Ireland, I'll be happy. Um, but with the current morale and the team we're selecting, I just can't see us beating either of them. No. Well, let's talk about Scotland as well briefly because you never know with France having players in isolation. Scotland could turn up next week because they haven't been yeah, played really badly either. To, really looking forward to the France Scotland game that was meant to be on today. Um, they're the two teams that have been playing probably the most exciting rugby. Um, like their back lines, man for man, is quality from like, well, I mean, 15 to 15 is quality, but like, especially the back lines, you look at like Finn Russell, Stuart Hogg, um, up against like Teddy Toma and Tamak, Vakatar, like all those players, it's like proper, proper flair rugby. That's fast rugby, which is pretty decent. And uh, who's the young lad from Bath? He's just Scotland, the centre, uh, Red Park. Red Park. Mate, what a, what a little find he was. He was in um, Eddie Jones's squad not so long ago. And that's what, that's what Eddie does. He, he picks these players in his squad and he'll give them 
five minutes against Italy, so they can't play for another team. Mm. So, for example, you know, um, Paolo Adogwe plays for Wasps. Yeah. He's in the England squad. He's carrying tackle bags. That's all he's doing. That's all he's going to be doing. We played Italy. He didn't play against Italy. Can't see him playing against France or Ireland. He's just carrying tackle bags. Now, he's he's got Italian in him. He's got something else in him. But what, he, what Eddie will do is he'll pick them, give them five minutes, give them a cap so that they then can't go and play for another nation. So he has got his options. It's clever, but it's, I don't know, would, would he have been better going and playing for Italy? I don't know. But I suppose playing for England, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that then with Eddie, his selection. I want to start off with the Saracen players. The only rugby they're playing at the moment is England rugby. And has that affected them? Like, does Billy, has Billy been at his best for daily? Uh, you saw evidently in the first game, Farrell was piss poor. Billy was poor. Daly was poor, but he Daly played quite well yesterday. I thought I thought he was probably one of the one of the three players that had a decent game along with Slade and Curry. Um, but you look at you look at Billy, who's he's been brilliant for years and years and years. But there comes a time when people are knocking at the door. So like Sam Simmons, he's the Premiership top try scorer, and the Premiership is no, it's not a farmers league. It's not it's proper. That's where you get the best rugby players. And he's knocking, I think it's 12 or 13 tries in 11 games or something. He's scoring more than a try a game. And again, he's not even being like looked at. Same with Don Brandt. He's what, 20, 21. He's 19 stone. He's a unit, but he's a quick 19 stone. He's like so good on the ball. You look at Billy, he runs into people and he doesn't make the yards he used to. I don't know if that's because he hasn't been playing much rugby or he's just... Defences are getting better. I don't know, but he's just not the Billy he was sort of two or three years ago. No. Um, and the fact Ed, Eddie's got his his loyalties as such. Um, so I don't know what his obsession is with Saracens players, but yeah, these players that aren't playing as much shouldn't be playing when there are clearly more informed players. Another one, Marcus Smith, who's probably the best fly half in I'll go as far as say Europe at the minute. And Again, he's it's a bit like Cipriani. He's probably just a bit too flamboyant, should I say, maybe for England, for Eddie's style of rugby. But maybe Eddie needs to change his style of rugby because it's not working, is it? And it's certainly not attracting the people that... It's not attracting... New, we play boring rugby with defence and we kick. It's not really showing a good sign for the game. It's not really inviting others to come play a game because it's boring rugby. And I don't get, it seems like it's been that since the World Cup, like during the World Cup, I thought we were attacking free-flowing and since we've changed completely. Completely. I, I, I don't know if it was a lesson from South Africa, because I mean, South Africa, I hate to go back to, but that World Cup final, South Africa's defence was stupid. It was just an absolute brick wall. Like, it was so in, depressing that night though, watching it. It was awful. But like, you, ran, you ran into, it was running into a brick wall. And instead of, normally when you go into a tackle, you might make half a metre on the game line. We were going backwards. Mm. And I don't know if Eddie's taken a leaf out of South African's book and just thought about kicking and defending. But yeah, you're right. Ever since that, that World Cup final, it's just, it's just gone backwards. And uh, I know we had a good autumn, autumn Nations Cup, but man, that's just like, that's like the Papa John's Cup or whatever it is in the football. What are, they, what are Sunderland playing? The Papa well, John's probably lower league football or something yeah. like that which no one really cares about because and so it's, it's silverware yes but it's, it's a relevant silverware you want to win the six nations you want to win the world cups and stuff 
but yesterday again, when we got the ball wide, we looked threatening. Mm. So there was a couple of times when Slade got the ball in hand, he broke the line, he had Daly on his shoulder, Daly gassed it, cut back inside, broke the line, and we were playing good rugby. But when we play on the front foot, we're so much better. But we, I don't know, it's just it's just like scared rugby. It's just it's boring. It's not good to watch. If we were grinding out results, okay, you can kind of see, okay, we're, we're playing boring rugby, we're getting, we're getting wins, but we're not, we're losing. So something has to change, whether it's from the top of Eddie going or Eddie opens his eyes and stops being the stubborn guy that he is and starts picking players on form rather than loyalty. Because, mm. yeah, two things to that. I... I read a couple of things that like Danny Kerr, Mike Brown, they've been kicked out of him. Well, not kicked out, but not picked because they've challenged Eddie. Yeah, yeah, I read that. And then he's obviously a, he's obviously a stubborn bloke, Eddie. He um, like if you you listen to the the Matt Gitto podcast and get saying how he's just absolutely shit scared of him. Hmm. He's obviously got this, like personality where you're like walking on eggshells around him now. So I suppose the closer you get to him, the more you sort of make a bond with him in a relationship. But I don't know if it's healthy that you're scared of your coach. I don't know. That's just me. I wouldn't want to be scared of my coach. No, you want a atmosphere where, yes, you've got the coach in charge, but you're allowed to voice your opinion, and that yeah, should be exactly. shared. If everything just comes from the top, then, yeah, like, if he doesn't listen to other people's opinions, then it's a bit arrogance, really, isn't it? And, and you're never going to gel as a team if, it's just coming from the top and you're just listening to what's what's said at the top. You need to have that yeah, like relationship between the players and the coach where you can go forward to the coach and voice your opinions without being like put down for it, basically. Well, do you think then, before the 2023 World Cup, they'll get rid of Eddie or he'll stay? He'll stay. He'll stay. Because, um, again, you look at who's going to come in and do it. Yeah, who would do it after that World Cup? Who, who's going to come in and do it? There's no one off the top of my head that I think could come in and do a head coach job for England at the minute. What so, about Exeter's Rob Baxter? Again, is he just a really good premiership coach? He's never he's never had he's never been experienced from the top of my head at international level. No. Jump like going and being an international coach is you've got to be special. You've got to have a pretty decent CV. Not that Rob Baxter is not a good coach. He's obviously done wonders at Exeter, but Again, it's just—is he ready for that jump? Is it—is it something he could do? I don't know. Yeah, we just don't know. Anyway, enough about England. It's a bit positive. Well, hopefully, let's talk about the Lions, which is due to happen this year in South Africa. The last time we went to South Africa was '09, wasn't it? And we lost. I think we did lose. Well, no, we lost. I can't remember if it was two-one or three-nil. I think it was three-nil. Then we got absolutely hammered. Oh, yes, actually, no, because I've seen the clip where someone gives away a penalty and Stain kicks it. Oh, from mate, like 50 yards. So, oh, first of all, what do you think our chances are in South Africa? If it goes ahead? Um, I don't, yeah, obviously the South Africans world champions, they're, they're, no, uh, they're no slouch. Um, but with, with the likes of, I know, the, the, the Lions has pretty much predominantly been England, Wales and Ireland. I don't care what anyone says, it's mainly been those. Mm. And it's good to see the likes of Hogg, Russell starting to come play proper rugby. Um, just to, yeah, I think the brand of rugby that the, the teams are playing at the minute is positive. Like, 
again, you look at the Six Nations, okay, take Italy out of it, one to five, that table could be a different order. Like, like last year, England were never down at fifth or fourth or wherever we are, we're down there. England normally at the top and it's normally sort of Scotland down the bottom, France down the bottom. So it's all like up and down. So it's, it's really good that all these teams are playing good rugby. So I wouldn't want to be Warren Gatland. Um, he's going to have a few, what, how many is he allowed to take? 30? 35 plus 35. 10 more Welshmen. <laughs> yeah, 35. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. I, 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 there are players I'd like to see go who I don't think will go. Um, so the likes of Sam Simmons, I just if he's not playing for his country, I can't see how he can go on a Lions tour. But I'm hoping Gatlin sees his talent and and picks him. Um, and Dan, Dan Robson's another one. I mean, he's been absolutely electric for Wasps. And when he's come on for England, he's been brilliant. But again, the... The nine shirt is probably the, the one that's most up for grabs, I'd say. Well, let's uh, let's go through that from one to 15. Let's pick up, pick our 15. We can discuss. But I just wanted to start with the captains. I looked it up. The odds for the captain. You know me. I like a little £5 bet. Alwyn Jones is 2 to 1. Farrell and Otoji, 7 to 2. And then James Ryan is 12 to 1. Would you chuck any other names in there? Uh, I'd chuck in Stuart Hogg. Hmm. Um, Finn Russell? I'd, I'd probably go Hogg. The only problem with Hogg is I don't like your 15 being captain. That's just a personal opinion. He is too far away from the game. Um, so I think your captain, I don't stereotypically, but I think your captain should either be the second row, like right in the pack, or your 10. Um, but yeah, pro probably I'd go Hogg or Farrell, I think. I don't think Atoje will be captain purely just because he's he's not a captain. Um, yeah. Yes, he's a bloody good player, but it's, you don't just put your best player as captain. You need leaders. Um, and I think Faz, although he's a little bit out of nick, he's still got a bit of time to find that form and he is just a natural leader. Yeah, I think it's going to be between Farrell and Alwyn Jones, but that's if Alwyn Jones goes. I can't see Alwyn Jones going in my opinion um i think he's done i think they're a better second rows um he might he might go and he might just be that experienced voice and mm. probably not play as much um he might just be a good good bloke to have around the team just because he's been there done it um but we'll, yeah well i mean we'll have to see whatever me and you say is irrelevant but it'd be good to hopefully get some names in there that we pick well let's start off with then for the front row i've gone Vunapola. George and Furlong. Okay, I've gone Wynn Jones, George, and either Sinclair or Furlong. The yeah, reason I, I didn't go Mako is he was completely outscrummed against South Africa in that World Cup final. He they completely tore him apart. Hmm. So I, he'd be good. Him and him and Genji would be good sort of impact players. But I think up front, Wynn Jones. Um, watching him yesterday, he's a decent scrummager. He's a bit of a meathead. And, uh, yeah, I think he would be uh, probably the name of my team sheet first. But, yeah, Jamie George, I don't think there's probably a better hooker in world rugby at the minute. Um, and, yeah, Sinclair and Furlong, toss-up between the two. That would be 50-50 for me. And then, Yeah, and no, I agree with you there. And then other names you could chuck in. Marla, if he decides to go, if he wants to. I think he'll go. I think uh, if he's not going to play for his country, I can't see him going away to South Africa for 
I'll tell you what, though, if he did go, he'd be brilliant for the documentary, wouldn't he? Oh, mate, he's Marla's one team you'd want on your he's one bloke you'd want on your team, but you'd hate to play against him. Oh, he's just he's an absolute genius, but I bet you'd proper, proper grind your gears when you play against him. Oh, absolutely. And then move on to second row Itoji, pretty much now, name, no, what's the word? Nailed. Nailed it down for one of the locks. Yeah, I had a Toji down. And then Ryan and Gray were names. I had James Ryan down, yeah. I'm glad we can agree on those, Gustavo. And then back row, I, I'm not sure which side they'll play, but Curry and Tiprick. Rogue. I went Curry Underhill. Yeah, Underhill was another name. And then I thought Hamish Watson as well. Maybe because Hamish is... That's my brother's name. It just rings quite well. Hamish Watson, yeah. And yeah, so I'd carry under. I just don't think you can see past Curry and Underhill. I think they're both ridiculously good in defence, and that's the thing you need in South Africa. Those big ball carriers. You need a bit of, bit of yeah, big big tacklers when you've got M Tarrier running at you and other big bastards like him. So you need you need someone who's going to be rock solid in defence and good on the turnover as well. Uh, Tipric will go as well because he's Welsh. And then if Jack Willis was fit, would he have gone? I think he'd put his name, uh, his name would be in contention, but yeah, he's he's nowhere near going to be anywhere near that plane, sadly. Um, her- horrific injury, but yeah, sadly. He, the good thing is he's got age on his side. Um, yeah. time, he's what, 23, um, loads of time. So he's got nothing to worry about. But yeah, he would he'd probably be, I mean, you certainly can't ignore him. Premiership player of the season and what was it, 47 turnovers last year? And it was more than Exeter put together or something stupid. Something like that. Crazy, crazy, mate. And uh, yeah, decent. But yeah, wishing him the best of luck on his recovery as well. Yes, I'm sure he's listening actually. He messaged me saying he he liked to listen to the podcast. Then eight, we've got Falatel or Billy. Uh, Yeah, so I I had, uh, like I said earlier, an ideal world, I'd have Sam Simmons in there. and I thought, yeah, I had my other name was Falatel. Um, I thought he was, well, he was man of the match yesterday, wasn't he? He, he had a bloody good game. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Billy, I didn't even consider Billy. I just think he's not, I think he's done, sadly. And then move on to nine, which is quite a hard one. I've, a couple of names I've chucked in are Ali Price. You've got to talk Ben Youngs. And then maybe Conor Murray with experience. And then Reese Webb's been quite going, going all right for the Ospreys. You just don't know. Yeah, I said earlier that the nine shirt is probably the most open one. I've got four names down here. So I've got Murray, who's been there, done it, experienced, still got it. But Gareth Davis, again, Welsh, quick, quick off the deck. Threw Dan Robson in there because um, he's not, I mean, he's probably not got a chance of going, but. Like I said earlier, he's just been brilliant for Wasps. And when he's come on for England, he's certainly made a difference. Um, and the, the Welsh nine yesterday, I thought he had a really good game. Hardy. Hardy, yeah. Probably about, what, five foot seven, but he's got biceps the size of my head. Big boy. But, um, yeah, they were the four, I, I really couldn't tell you who's going to be the nine. It's uh, That's the position that's probably most up for grabs. So it's quite good seeing all these nines performing well at the minute. And then ten. I said Russell... Sheedy and Sexton facing Farrell at 12. What do you think of that? I've, I've put Russell. So I've put a couple of stars next to a few players. They're the, the certain ones on my team sheet. I've gone Atoji, Curry and Russell. I think they're the 
only three players that have pretty much solidified their place. Um, Russell's been like, wicked for Racing and Scotland. He just takes the ball to the game line, throws it around. Pretty decent kicking game and everything you need from your 10, really. So, yeah, Russell. And then, yeah, I had Barrow at 12. Do you think Sexton will go? After his performance yesterday, he's put a bit of a spanner in the works. Um, but, uh, again, he might do that and win Jones and go for experience. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, there are, there are better players in his position currently. And then we move left, left wing. I put May and Jack Knoll if he's fit. Well, they can play either, I think. Yeah, I've, I've put May down for number 11. But again, he's a player that's been far that try he scored the other week when he leaps over the, the rock or whatever. He's been pretty average. Mm. But like, when he's on his day, he is like wicked. He is absolutely electric. So, yeah, he'll. I think he's pretty much a certain. Um, I didn't have any other names down for number 11. Yeah, May. And then, yeah, move on to 12. I think Farrell, he was the only one I had. Yeah, Faz, I think you can't really go too wrong, especially if his dad's one of the coaches as well. He's not going to miss out too much, is he? Oh, it, it helps that 100% having your dad as a coach. It's, not, it's pretty handy. And, and he brings that leadership. I know he's not in the greatest of form, but he's been brilliant for like years and years and years. Like shown that at Saracens, he's shown that on the Lions tour in New Zealand. He, and he's, I don't know how old he is. He can't be any older than sort of 31. Not even that, I think 28, 29. He's still pretty young and he's also got this massive, massive, vast experience. So I think, yeah, he's pretty, pretty crucial to the Lions. Um, yeah, I don't think you can look too past Faz. I think he's pretty much nailed down for 12. 13, I had Sladen Davies. And then I've said to Alangi if he's fit, because I still think he's one of England's better players. He'll be fit. Um, he's the Jack Wilshire of rugby, unfortunately. He's um, so much talent, but just sick of injuries. So it's a shame because, yeah, he's, when he came back for England a couple of years ago, he was like wicked. He, he's, what, 115 kg and just absolutely rapid. I wouldn't want to tackle that. So, yeah, I had a – so I, I chucked in Slade. I think he's been pretty good, pretty underused by England over the last few years. Um, versatile as well. He can play fullback. Pretty sure he's started in a 10 before. Um, and the other name I had down was Henshaw. Oh, yeah. Um, pretty reliable. Uh, and, yeah, Davis as well. Again, he's been there, done it. Trusty head. Still pretty decent. And then 14, I had Anthony Watson. Again, been on a couple of Lions tours. And then yeah. a couple of wild cards. I had Louis Rees-Zamet and Sean Maitland. So Louis Rees-Zamet was the name I put down. Um Kid has got everything going for him. He's rapid. Same as National Rugby. He's a good-looking bastard. Like, he's, yeah, you can't really complain, I think. Lurie Samuel, yeah, Watson was my other option. But again, he's been pretty average. Um, so if you, if you asked me this probably about six weeks ago, I reckon 1 to 15, I would have had 10 or 12 England players. Hmm. But the way they're playing, I just can't warrant them a place at the minute. Um, so, yeah, Louis Rousseau would be my, uh, my starting winger. It's just, I haven't seen his defence too much. He's not the biggest of lads, but is his defence up to scratch for South Africa? I don't know, we'll see. And then 15, I had Daly, Hogg, Williams, and then Halfpenny as well. I've gone Hogg and Hogg's, 
Hulk to be one of the captains. Because he his last Lions tour was ruined by who was it? Ben Youngs or Reese Webb? No, it's Connor Murray. Accidentally elbowed him in the face and he had to have surgery on his eye and that ruined it for him completely. Mm. Yeah, well, he's, he's another one who's been stupidly good. Since he's moved to Exeter, he's just slotted in so well at 15 there. And it's certainly helped his game. I don't know whether that's being maybe under Rob Baxter or just something's happened in the last sort of year since he's been at Exeter and he's been, yeah, very, very good. Good. Have you seen him kick it? Yeah, oh, it's unreal. Nudges them from like 60 metres. And that comes in handy. Like you saw in the last Lions tour and Daly slotted that kick from 55 metres or something. Mm. Daly's not going to play a part in this. Well, certainly he's not going to play a part in my team. But if he's not going to take part, then you need someone who's got that ability to nudge it from 50 plus. Because Farrell's range is what? Just in front of halfway, maybe? 45 metres? So having that extra option against South Africa when you've got to grind out, you've got to work, work for your try. So taking three might be the, the sensible option. He's, yeah, certainly a good option to have there. I think that's what helps with Slade as well. And also it gives Daly an edge because it's that left foot angle as well. Yeah, but just Daly, I, I, he's not, yeah, he wouldn't go in my starting 15. He'll go on the tour, no doubt, because he's so versatile. He can play centre, he can play wing and he can play fullback. He, and he's rapid, let's face it. He's absolutely rapid. And he's got a good kicking game. So he will go. I'd be very surprised if he didn't go. Um, I can't see Halfpenny going. Um, he's not playing for his country much, so I just can't really see him being selected. But again, he's a bloody good player. Um, and who's the other one you said? Liam, Liam Williams. Yeah, uh, decent. Yeah, rapid. Very quick. So yeah, he'll, again, he'll probably go. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's, like I said, Gatlin's going to have a bit of a headache Mm. Choosing a team, don't. But it's, it's a good headache. You can, you can never have too many options. No, and then let, we've got to talk about the opponents a little bit. England are also playing Japan. I don't know why. It's just to earn a bit of money. Yeah, probably. Yeah, and then right. I think with South Africa, they're World Cup winners in that respect. But then they haven't played together since the World Cup. So who knows what they'll be like? Yeah, that's a very valid point. Um, they've obviously been playing their Super Rugby at the minute. Um, I mean, some you look at uh, sales team. They've probably got what four or five South Africans. They got the, the toys, Diaga, Bath. Um, they have got some Sappers playing, uh, but again, like with the quality of those players, it doesn't take too much probably to get back into the swing of things. Um, they're obviously playing for their local sides, representative sides at the minute, so they are getting game time. Um, and I mean, Razzy Erasmus is a bloody good coach and he probably gets the best out of them very easily. So, yeah, I, I think that they haven't played too much international rugby. Um, I don't think it's too much of a problem. It's not like the Saracens case where they're not playing any rugby at all. Mm. They are still playing some sort of rugby, so they are fit. Um, yeah, they've just got to come back together and gel, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Let, let's hope it goes ahead. But I want to hear a prediction for you. I'm going 2-1. I think we'll lose one, but I think we'll come back and win two. That's been hopeful as well. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'd, I'd like to say 2-1. Um, but I just think South Africans, just, especially being in South Africa as well, obviously being in South Africa, but I just think it's... Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to go 2-1 lines as well. Mm. But I can see it going either way. Two one, maybe South Africa. But yeah, it's 
it's going to be a great series either way. I hope it does go ahead because well, we were planning on going, weren't we, Gustav? But yeah, a little week out in Cape Town. Yeah, it's a shame, but again, time's on our side. We're going to go do plenty more lions tours. And do you think it will happen with a crowd or without a crowd? I think if there's no crowd, I don't see too much point in it going ahead. Um, mm. Because for South Africa, who's who they rely on this quite a lot. They rely on the tourism because um, they must make an absolute fortune from it. And if they can't have fans there, then I just can't see it being beneficial for South Africa. Um, likewise, if it was to come over here, I just don't see the point. It takes the, the sting out. Like it's, it's not a tour. Of, it's not a Lions tour. It's no. a couple of Lions games at Twickenham, Murrayfield, wherever else they'd play it. Um, I think if it doesn't go ahead this year with fans, I think the best thing is just to postpone it to next year. Mm. Um, the only problem with that is is Autumn Nations Cup and all the other fixtures that it's a busy, I've heard it's a busy, busy schedule next year. So I don't know. I, I'd hope it does go ahead, but South Africa, I can't see it happening. I can't yeah. see it happening with fans, sorry. Yeah, no, I hope, I hope it does happen because, again, with the summer, with the year we've had, it'll be good to have that sport on as well. Absolutely. Who would you rather do the documentary, Netflix or Amazon? Or like themselves? Me, but, uh, I think Amazon do a, a, a good documentary, like the All or Nothings. The ones I've watched of those have been brilliant. Um, but I don't think you can sort of have uh, access to all areas in rugby. I think some of the stuff that goes on in the rugby change room can't be publicised. Um, oh, absolutely not. I think, <laughs> I think it'd have to be very well edited. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. But it, it, again, I mean, I've watched the, the ones on YouTube from the last Lions series and some of the insights you get to see on that are amazing. Like the passion these, these guys have is ridiculous. Yeah, and then uh, not to bring a negative on to finish off the podcast, but uh, we've got to talk about law changes and red cards, especially in the Premiership. Yeah. There were five in a single weekend last week, which was more than the combined nine weeks before. What do you think is going wrong? Players aren't taking responsibility for the way they're entering the ruck. Um, you've got to wrap your arms. Uh, you've got to avoid the head. It's as simple as that. So whether it's the coaches not drilling it into them enough, um, I think all these red cards will certainly help drill it into them. Um, but they've just got to be more careful. And we'll go on to Jack now in a minute, but he's saying that we're ruining the, the games being ruined, yet it's the players that are driving this. The players are the ones who want to be protected. They're the ones who are going to the, uh, the union saying, we need to be protected more. So the players mm. are the ones saying any head contact should be a red card. I don't really know what Jack Noel's going on about, but you've just got to be careful. I mean, I can see what he is saying, that you go into a rugby game. Well, I'll read you what he said. Read, read out. He put a tweet out after a red card in Exeter's last game was, seriously, for all players' safety, but come on, some of these reds are so stupid. Every player takes the field knowing... There is a chance of being hurt. It's a physical game. Don't kill it. And I think even at a younger age, you play sport knowing there's that risk as well. Yeah, it is. And I, rugby is a lot different to football. I don't care what anyone says. You, there is a lot more risk in rugby. You're throwing your body on the line against people that are 
18 odd stones and the collision there coming in at however quick it is is going to cause some damage but yeah you go into a rugby game with the risk but if the players are the ones driving it then they need to be the ones that are going to change something because at the end of the day they're the only ones that can change it they're the ones who are going into contact no arms directly at the head so there's all this mitigation would his arm get up i think if there is contact with the head it's a red card if they're the ones pushing it then they need to change the way that they need to change their technique and they never need to show a tmo in slow motion because it's so much worse isn't it it is yeah yeah i know it's slow motion always makes everything look worse but again you need to need to get to the facts if there's head if there's contact with the head then can't really do too much about well, it. Even speaking about head injuries and concussion, did you see Steve Thompson, who played in the 2003 World Cup? He can't remember any of it because of brain damage. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I think rugby's moved on massively since then. Like the the technology and the, the science now, there's so much more to protect our players. Back then, it was it was a dogfight back like then. There was no real science behind it. Now you've got like. You've got all these analysts that can analyze this data in like seconds and stuff. And I don't know if there were head injury assessments back then. Probably not, no. So again, rugby is moving in the right direction. It's just it needs the players who are demanding this extra protection to then put it into practice themselves. So I think they're only themselves to blame. But how long until people stop like realizing they need to? go in safely because there's going to there's be red cards. There's going to be three or four every weekend, I think, unless something genuinely changes. So Yeah. And what would you think could change? Like, could they introduce... I get a red card for, like, malice behaviour, like punching, kicking, but for these sort of tackles, could you replace them instantly or something? They're looking at, they're looking at like, an orange card or quite stupid, but at the end of the day, you're putting a player's well-being in danger, aren't you? Mm. Shoulder tape. You're, you're putting someone in danger. So is it any different to me punching you in the face? I don't think so. No. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I was, I was listening to, I can't remember who the game was, but it was Hugo Monier talking and he was saying, oh, maybe they should, instead of having lengthy bans for these, maybe they should just get a one game ban or something rather than a six week ban. But I think if they did that, then they're not going to learn. No. I think the bans need to be harsh so that people realise that they can't do this anymore. Um, so I don't think one game ban would be enough. I think you do need to give a serious ban on it if they really want to make a serious statement and stamp it out. Well, that, that sounds all good. That's all the notes I've got on. Any other rugby rugby things you want to discuss? Just throw a question at you, just away from sort of, well, I mean, it could be involving red cards, but if you could change one law in rugby, what would it be? Oh. Put you on the spot here. Oh, mate, I have no clue. And I was thinking about this earlier, and mainly when I was watching the rugby over the weekend, but I've been thinking about it. So when you're attacking, okay, mm -hmm. you go over the try line, but you get held up. So the defence have worked hard to hold you up. Okay, It then becomes a scrum to the attacking team. Why? The defence have done all the hard work. Surely they should be rewarded with the ball. That's one, rule, one law I'd like to see change. So the defensive team winning the ball if they've held someone up over the try line. I think they've changed that in the Super Rugby in either Australia or New Zealand. Because okay. uh, like, defences work so hard, they throw their body around to stop this try, 
why should the attacking team be awarded with a five-minute scrum when the defence has done all the hard work to stop the try? Yeah, I, I don't get it. Yeah, because you're not really rewarded for defence then, are you? Another one. <laughs> I was watching the rugby yesterday and calling the mark. What is that all about? It's just like it's being a bit of a pussy, isn't it, really? Like, yeah, the mark. like it, it slows the game down. Catch it and run with it. Like calling the mark is just a bit of an easy way out. I think I'd like to see that removed. But it's, again, it's not going to happen. But well, again, I think in Australia they've removed it. They're trying it, trialing it. So at least Australia thinking, thinking like me, thinking. And then another one which annoys me is the use it. They've been a bit hotter on it recently, but wait for five seconds and go yeah. through with it. They're not hot enough on it. I think they say use it and. Yeah, the scrum. Oh, and that goes on. Have you seen the on the back of a ruck when they have like three players? Yeah, up to make the back foot even longer. That's a load of bollocks. Yeah, that should be limited to one or two max. Anyway, no, that's been good. Well, but Gussie is irrelevant, isn't it? Really, at the end of the day. Well, yeah, they're not going to listen to me, are they? No. Even though Jack Willis said he listens, so <laughs> we'll see, I have to see what he says on about that. But to wrap up, I'll finish with this question. If results go our way and we play well, do you still think England can win the Six Nations? No. No? No, I just think results aren't going to go our way. Um, I think, yeah, the French will pretty much go on to win the rest of their games um, and we're not playing well enough. Even I mean, selection's got to change. These, these players we've spoke about, I think, need to be given a chance. You're never going to know until they're given a chance. Um and I think it would be a bit of a wake-up call for maybe Eddie if we do come fourth. I hate to say it because it's not being positive or anything coming from an England fan. But if we were to come fourth, then he might wake up and realise that the style of rugby he's playing isn't good enough. Hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's been good to chat about that. And thank you for coming on. I know you wanted, as soon as I said for you to come on, you were like, get me on. I want to want to let out my anger, basically. Have a bit of a yarn, yeah, mate. It's, it's been good. Thank you for having me. That's all right. And I will see you guys soon for another one. Bye for now. Hi, guys. Thank you for listening. Please be sure, if you're listening on Spotify, to follow the page and on Apple Music to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you.